Manoah's wife sensed that this was God and not an ordinary man. On the other hand, Manoah did not seem to recognize that this was God. In verse 8, Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come, to, come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. So after his wife encountered the angel of the Lord, Manoah prayed to God, let me see the angel of the Lord. And, and then later in verse 11, Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, are you the man who spoke to this woman? So right there, where his wife, when she encountered the angel of the Lord, she said, my, he, he sure looks like an angel of God, an angel of the Lord. So she sensed the presence of God, where Manoah, when he was in the presence of the angel of the Lord, said, are you a man, a prophet, a human being? So his, his senses of, of God was not as sharp as as his wife. And so here's a tip. Some people uh, know God better than others. Some people sense God during certain times better than others. And I know this in my own faith journey, in my life. I know that there are times when others can sense God more than I can. And, and especially in leadership positions, it's very important as when I served on a board of directors or when I've been on, uh, on pastoral staff, I lean on others who, who have a sense of God's presence and God's voice better than I. And I seek their counsel and their judgment, especially, especially there are certain women in my life and I, I sense that God seems to give women a better sense of God's presence than men. Oftentimes we're too focused on certain tasks that we're not as... Uh, intuitive or sensing of God and so I, I depend on my wife and some of the women on our staff to help me in, in discerning direction and decision-making in addition to looking for people that know and love him God is looking for people like Manoah's life wife that love others so the first thing he looks for is he looks for people that know him and the second thing is that he looks for people that love others. And that's what Manoah's wife um, exemplifies. When Man while Manoah was prideful, Manoah's wife loved her husband by accepting her position with great humility. And we learn from the start that Manoah's wife is barren or sterile. So that's not a label that, that's easily given to a person. When you call them barren, they're essentially infertile that the possibility of having a child is, has, has ceased. It's not possible anymore to be given that kind of label, to be barren. And, and to un be unable to have children in that, that uh, society, in that culture, was very shameful. It was an embarrassment to the family and to the husband to not have children and not be able to, to bear children. And you can imagine the disappointment that, that Manoah would, would be feeling and experiencing, that it would be tremendous uh, shame of, that he would be bearing and, and undoubtedly would affect their marriage, their relationship with his wife. And so you can imagine that Manoah often 
would not really treat his wife really well, that he would not respect her, and maybe not even trust her. Having no, no heirs would be something that would hurt his own pride, that as a man he could not have a family without children. How else was Manoah prideful? Well, two ways in this passage demonstrate this, that he couldn't believe that his wife was more worthy than himself, that the angel of the Lord didn't come to him first and went to him, uh, went to his wife, that that was something that he, he, he envied, something that his pride couldn't take. When the angel of the Lord visited his wife the first time and his wife told him about it, he prayed to God for the angel of the Lord to come again, for him to be able to see her. And it's kind of interesting that the scripture tells us that, that God kind of slapped him in the face again by sending the angel of the Lord, not to him, but to his wife again. So it's kind of the thing that definitely God saw Manoah's wife as a person who was more special, someone who had his favor, who knew him better, that he would send the angel of the Lord to, to his wife and not to Manoah. And the second thing that we see that, that Manoah is, is also prideful about is that he did not trust his wife and what she told him. Had to hear it directly for himself, right? Because his wife, doing, being dutiful, being respectful, after meeting with the angel of the Lord, she goes to her husband and reports everything that happens. She could have kept it a secret. Actually, you know, much of the, the, the instructions was for her, but she reports it to her husband. And she does a really good job of reporting it very accurately. But Manoah, not trusting her, wanted to hear it for himself. And so when he does meet the angel of the Lord, he says this, in verse 12, now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life and what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. All that I have commanded her, let her observe. So it's kind of curious here, kind of almost hilarious that his wife reported it exactly as so. And the angel of the Lord had to repeat the same instructions over and over again. And it's the same thing that he had already told Manoah's wife. But even though she was not respected by her husband, Manoah's wife loved him. And each time she had a special encounter with God, she shared that experience with her husband Manoah. And each time the angel of the Lord appeared to her, she went to her husband to tell him, honoring him as her husband. So here's another tip. Husbands, wives, respect and honor your spouse. Because in the business of life, in the tough times that happen each day, we can forget that. In July, uh, we had our eye screening in Richmond with our partner church, Living Hope Neighborhood Church. So it was a great week. We saw over 270 patients. And uh, although we only had half-day sessions and we only had three days of the eye screening, it was a great time where we reached out into community and served in uh, under a served community and gave them eyeglasses. So it was a great time. And I want to 
give a shout out and a praise to all those who volunteered. We needed about 80 volunteers per day. And all of you did, did wonderfully. You served well. And one of the main things that I observed, which was um, you know, something that touched my heart, is that not all the stations were you know, really uh, exciting. Some of them can be kind of arduous and kind of boring. But as volunteers, all of you were really compliant. You never really abandoned your stations. So that was really good. As a, as a pastor, as, a, as the one who was leading the, the, the eye screening, it was good to see that even though you weren't seeing anybody, and I know sometimes there were times when it was just you and your thumbs, twim, just twiddling your thumbs there, but it, you never abandoned your station. Because if you left your station, that would be terrible because that's when if somebody came, then they would have no one to... To, to meet them or greet them or, or follow through on their, their examination. So that was good. Volunteers, you did a wonderful job. It takes a lot of servant hearts to be able to do that. And in many ways, many of you exemplified Manoa's wife during that ice cream. But during the first day, we were short on, on doctors, on optometrists. And my wife, uh, Terry, who's an optometrist, was serving that day. And by the end of the day, she was really tired and, and kind of grumpy, and she was thirsty and hungry. And afterwards, that evening, she kind of debriefed with me about, wow, that was a rough day, and then she was getting a little bit grumpy and, and maybe a little bit uh, abrupt with some of the, with the patients. And as her husband, being self-righteous and, and uh, being uh, just a man and prideful, I, I shared something that I had shared earlier in that morning's devotion to all the uh, core team members. And I shared from First Peter how we are to show hospitality without grumbling. As soon as I said that to Terry that evening, Terry gave me that look. You know, husbands, we all know that look that our wives give to us, and I knew I was in trouble. And Terry uh, said immediately, don't preach to me. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so um, the next day I learned my lesson. I made sure that I would, I would not just care for all the volunteers, but be sure to also oversee and make sure my wife was well taken care of. But that's a lesson that we are not to neglect our spouses. And that is something that Manoah's wife did in a humbling way, even though her husband did not necessarily respect her or trust her. And so she is something that God can use in his mission to save the world. Manoah's wife, in spite of her poor treatment from her husband, she loved him with a Christ-like love. And from that Christ-like love, this kind of love can lead to being able to be used by God to serve others and in particular serve the world. While Manoah was self-centered, Manoah's wife was ready to serve and minister to her husband. Now, Manoah was only thinking about himself. Self-preservation was on his mind. And after experiencing something traumatic, when the angel of the Lord went up in flames, Manoah panicked. He said, we're going to die. And those were the first things he came out of his mouth. Remember what I said when our faith is based on do's and don'ts, when it's based on trying to be perfect, to follow rules, that's impossible. It tends to lead to fear because of failure. 
failure to follow the do's and don'ts means generally in our world a penalty, punishment. But a faith that's based on a relationship leads to unconditional love, to mercy and grace. So there's a big difference. So if our faith is based on do's and don'ts, then we're in trouble. So I'm reminding you, I'm encouraging you, our faith is based on a relationship, one that leads to love. And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. And in verse 20, that is the, the clue that I believe that the angel of the Lord was Jesus. It's a premonition of Jesus rising from the dead. So here, the angel of the Lord disappears in the altar of flame. So that is my clue that that is who the angel of the Lord is. And when Manoah and his wife were watching this, they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to the Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die for we have seen God. Manoah was afraid because he only knew religion. Manoah's wife was calm and level-headed because her faith was based on a relationship. And she, in that moment, knew that God would not kill them. She had faced a faith that was based on a relationship, and she knew that God was trustworthy, that he was a man, that God is a, a God of his word, that if God told her that she was to have a child, that at least for nine months, they won't be killed that at least for those nine months, she would be able to bear a child. So that's hope. Where her husband said, we're going to die, when Noah's wife understood that if she was going to have a child, she's going to at least live for another nine months. So Manoah's wife assured her husband everything would be fine and that for the next nine months that they will live and they will have a son. And that is a miracle in itself, right? Remember, she was barren. She was not able to have children. And the angel of the Lord said, you will have a child. And in nine months, you will have a son. And that's a miracle. And God chose Manoah's wife, a nameless woman in the Bible, someone many consider insignificant and unworthy to save the Israelites who are under the control of the Philistines at this time. And, and, and Manoah's wife is going to give birth to Samson, who becomes a great judge, and he... He punishes the Philistines on behalf of God. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27 says this, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Manoah's wife, who is essentially insignificant, someone who is not trusted, someone who is scorned and someone looked down upon by her culture and her society and even her husband, was someone that God used but Manoah's wife knew or loved God. She loved others, her husband, and she served others, served the world, her husband and her nation in a, in a way that God purposed her for. Now, does that sound familiar? Loving God, loving people, serving the world? Well, it happens to be our church's mission. Love God, love people, serve the world. And those are attributes that Manoah's wife showed in the story. 
And God is looking for people who live this out in their lives. And he can use them to bring love into this world, whether it is on the campuses of our universities, whether it's in Kenya with women who have suffered sexual violence, or even in Richmond at an ice cream. Um, at our ice cream, one of the things that was really significant to many of us who were planning for it and kind of uh, observing the differences over the years, uh, this past ice cream was the seventh one we did in the last nine years. We've done four in Richmond, California. And in the neighborhood of Living Hope Neighborhood Church, who we partnered to do the ice screening, there's a large number of Muslim families moving in there. Uh, three years ago, when we first had the ice screening there, uh, or the third time, actually, when we had the ice screening in Richmond, we noticed Muslim families were coming to the ice screening. But they were very anxious. They were very guarded. And when our, our volunteers were interacting with the families, the, the male Muslim members of the family would not allow us to speak directly to their women because of cultural differences of the genders. They would have us speak to the fathers or the husbands, and then they would speak to their children or to their, their wives. And we had to be very careful of not touching them or, or, or violating their private space. And so that was three years ago. And so as time has come, with the work of Living Hope Neighborhood working there, uh, they have broken some barriers. And they had been praying how they could reach out to that community. And they said three years ago, nothing was working. When we had the ice screening, all of a sudden, things changed. And where they would not have fellowship, one of their Muslim families, after the ice screening, came to one of the pastors and brought food to them. And that's a symbol of fellowship and deep, intimate uh, friendship when a Middle Eastern family comes with food to you. So the pastors at Living Hope Marriage said they tried everything, but the eye screening was what helped them break barriers with the Muslim community. So three years, we advanced forward three years now to today. And this time when you were, if any of you were at the eye screening, you could see a higher presence of more Muslims there, right? And they weren't as guarded. They were actually very comfortable, and they were laughing. And many of them allowed us to do blood pressure cuffs on them without uh, any anxiety. And, and actually, if you, if you were there and saw some of the prayer times, some of our prayer warriors actually invited them to pray for some of the Muslim people, and they actually said, sure. And so this was a, a neat sign that things are changing where bridges are being built between Christians and between Muslims through the eye screening. And that is what God has called us to be, people of reconciliation, people of love, and people who are different from the world, that we would be able to, to show that we love God, that we love others, and we're willing to serve the world. One of the amazing uh, observations that a lot of us, when we debriefed uh, after the ice screening, is just the, the diversity that you could see in the volunteers and, and those who came. And, and that, in some way, is God's dream for all of us, is that, that there are not supposed to be segregation or, or 
biases or prejudice that keeps us apart. Because we have a God who is inclusive, not exclusive. And that's what Jesus did on the cross to make sure that that wouldn't happen. That God so loved the world that he would give his only, one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish. And that is why, as his ambassadors, we are to go in the world to do exactly what Manoah's wife did, just to love God, love people, and serve the world. And that's going to make a difference. It makes a difference at the ice cream, and it can make a difference in your neighborhoods, your workplaces. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, we are thankful for, for your work in this world because we are desperately in need of you. And the world desperately needs your son, Jesus. And as I, parap- as I take the words of Martin Luther King, Jr., darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So, Lord, we are here. Use us as you did Manoah's wife to be your people on a mission to spread the good news of Jesus, the light of the world, to those who need it desperately. So we thank you in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen.